I read in, in Isaiah 58, God spoke this to me this morning and it's not part of my notes, but I read it and man, it profoundly moved me. In all the years we've been doing fasting as a church because we do 30 days at the first of the year as we enter into a new year that we can open heaven over our lives for the forthcoming year. But we do it again in September as our kids go back to school. And um, as we come out of summer with all of its preoccupations and busyness, uh, in all of the years, I've never taught on this verse, but the Lord really spoke it to me this morning as I was getting ready. Isaiah 58, verse 6 He says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? I've chosen this one. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. I want somebody to say every yoke. Broken in Jesus name. And verse 7 says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Those of you that know anything about us know that, that we have a warehouse right down the road. And we've been helping people, food, uh, clothing, uh, furniture for years and years And ever since Harvey, we have been pouring into our community in an even greater way. So we're doing that. But when you couple that with fasting, this is what God said in verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. The enemy can't even sneak up on you because God won't let him. And then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. That's what this fast is about. And I want to get into the message today. I'm starting a new series this morning entitled The Radical Zone. Last week, Dominic Russo preached and man, he did such a great job preaching on the 100x heart as opposed to being a person content with a 30-fold heart or a 60-fold heart. He didn't know it because he didn't know what we were starting this week and it's been planned for a long time. But he actually did an incredible job introducing this series for us because he talked about how to have a heart that is radical and passionate for God. Some people live their entire existence and never discover passion for anything. Did you know that? And they feel that all of life is passing them by. They're just existing. And it was never God's will that any of us live with that being our experience. But there are countless numbers of people who live that way. And yet other people go through life and leave a profound mark in this world as they pass through it. For many years, I've tried to live by the statement by the author, Jack London, who famously said, I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather my spark would burn out in a brilliant blaze than it should be extinguished by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor, every atom of me in magnificent glow, than to be a sleepy and permanent planet. He said... The proper function of man is to live, not to exist. 
I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use up my time. When I discovered that as a young man, and I had not been in the church long when I read that, I thought, God, let me live a life like that for you. And the questions that I want to ask you today are these. Are you using your time? And if so, what are you using it for? Are you making a difference? The word radical, the dictionary will tell you, means when someone is radical that they're very different from what is usual or traditional or ordinary. Being radical is characterized by independence and departure from tradition or what is considered to be average. It is also characterized by great passion and strong convictions. And right away, there's the rub. Because as Christians in this world we live in, you're not even supposed to let anybody know you're a Christian, much less act like it, right? You don't talk about it on the job. And they're trying to get the church to become normal, whatever that means. And when I say radical, I don't mean that you've got to live a life that's weirded out either. You've got to be strange and odd. Isn't it strange sometimes, speaking of strangeness, how sometimes people blame God for their own personal weirdness. And really, that's not what I mean. Being radical is something that I define as being this, having passion for God that will not allow you to live a life that's ordinary, where you can't be content just going through the motions of life. And trust me, if there's anything in this world that there is worth being passionate about or having passion over, it's about Christ. It's about serving God. It's about Jesus and the cross. And he wants to grow our passion for him. And I'm reading in 2 Corinthians. That wasn't my text I read a while ago. I want to read from the bona fides of the apostle Paul. What he used to establish the proof of his ministry and his passion for God. And he didn't go to the things that we normally would think he might would refer to, such as history tells us he had the equivalent of two PhDs by the time he was 22. He was brilliant, devout. He knew the scriptures backward and forward. But he didn't talk about that, and he didn't talk about the length of his mailing list, and he didn't talk about how many times he... He hosted TBN or any other religious show or how many times his, his photo was on the cover of, of a Christian magazine. None of those things were mentioned. How many conferences he did. This is what Paul says. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Beaten five different times with 39 stripes to within just a moment of losing his life. That was horrific pain. Right there, most of us are willing to say, oh, time out. (laughs) I'm going to have to reevaluate this thing. Three times, he says, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep in perils often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, 
in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst. You see that hunger and thirst, but then notice this next phrase, in fastings often. Sometimes I was hungry, he was saying, because I didn't have food. But other times when I had it, I fasted. In cold and nakedness, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily, my concern for all the churches. Paul lived a life that was radical for God. Father, for the next few minutes, would you help us to understand what that means? And would you give me the ability to unpack this in a way that can relate to where we live? And I ask it for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. When the legitimacy of Paul's apostleship would be questioned, this is how he would answer it. Not by how many subscribers I have to my YouTube channel. I want to speak today from the subject, the radical spiritual power in fasting. As we fast each of these two different times in the year corporately, and you're free to fast throughout the year any other way you might wish to. We never tell you how to fast. We don't ask you to fast certain days. We don't ask you to give up so many meals. Some folk, frankly, have physical conditions, medical conditions where they have to take medication and they can't do without food. I got it. We'd never want you to feel like you were less of a child of God because of that. There are different ways to fast. In Daniel chapter 10 and verse 3, Daniel said, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. There's any number of ways you can fast. Daniel said, I didn't quit eating altogether. I just stopped eating things like meat and things that I really enjoyed and just ate enough to get by where I could do my job because he was at a very high capacity and position in the government and He didn't want to let them down. Now, one of the best and I think most significant ways to fast is, hey, I'm going to throw this out there again. Fast social media for 30 days. You notice very few people said amen. Ouch. Or how about this? Fast TV for 30 days. I promise you the soaps don't need you. Reality shows are anything but. And the news, they haven't had news on since Walter Cronkite went out of business. It's opinion media. You say, how am I going to keep up? You're not right now if you're getting it from the TV. You're getting opinions, whether that's so-called mainstream media or cable TV. And I'm not calling any one of them out in particular. On this side, they'll, end you, they'll cause you to end up in this ditch. This side, you'll end up in the ditch over here. A suggestion. Why don't you go to the Apple store and download an independent news app, and that way you can see what's going on in the world and keep up every day without being agitated in your spirit. You say, I, I didn't realize I was getting agitated. Well, it finally dawned on me that I was at the beginning of covid I got so frustrated with everything that was being said. I finally said, I'm done with this. I haven't turned on a TV in two and a half years. And I am happy because I decided not to. 
Social media, most of you know, I've never been on it. But I promise you, you'll get a lot closer to God in the process if in this 30-day period of time, you'll try this out. There are reasons that we fast. I want to give you five of them quickly. Number one, we fast because we yearn for more of the Savior. In Zechariah 7, verses 4 through 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me. I want you to notice who was speaking. God did. This is while they were in Babylon. And he said, Ask all the people of the land and the priest, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and the seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? They had been in Babylon 70 years and now they had come back to the Middle East and to Palestine, to Israel. And God said, you've been fasting for 70 years, two months out of the year. But I want to ask you, were you fasting for me? Or are you fasting because you had an agenda and you wanted something done? God literally was asking his people, what's the motive behind your fast? You see, fasting is important, but you can do it for the wrong reason. Jesus warned that the Pharisees fasted two days out of every week. But he said, all you're doing is you're trying to earn the attention of men and not of God. And many times we fast because we have a prayer that we won't answer. And foundational to every fast ought to first be this premise. Nothing wrong with asking God for what you need. Jesus said we should ask each day that God would give us our daily bread. But this is what he wants us to understand. Fasting to get closer to him ought to be foundational to every fast you ever have. Amen. Why? Because in Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus said the greatest and even the first of all of the commandments out of all of them is that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Amen. You know what fasting does? Fasting helps us surrender that last little bit of our heart that we still are holding on to. That last little bit of the domain of self that we haven't surrendered yet. And it makes more room for Christ. It focuses our attention on God. And those who fast in pursuit of God always end up receiving a greater understanding and revelation of who he is and what his word teaches. You find that in the Bible. If you don't fast, you don't walk in revelation. You don't. But when you fast, incredible things come to be opened up in your understanding. Moses, the first time anybody ever fasted in the Bible that we have record of, he fasted in Exodus 34. He was alone with God in the Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. And in that period of time, had the single greatest revelation of anyone in the entire Old Testament era. Our entire New Testament was built upon what he saw happen and what God opened to his understanding while he was with God fasting. Later, Elijah fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Queen Esther fasted three days and nights with the Jewish people and then went to King Ahasuerus to plead for their deliverance. The king of Nineveh and his people fasted upon hearing the preaching of Jonah, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And God responded to their pleas. 
But in each case, we should always fast and always seek God that we could be drawn closer to him. Daniel fasted for 21 days and gave incredible understanding to us because of a revelation he received from an angel that opened up to him an understanding of the future of the nation of Israel and even events of what happened in the last days. When you fast, this word comes alive. God causes it to be more than just a book with words printed on paper or your device. It comes to life before your very eyes. Fasting is mentioned many other times in the Bible. And the apostle Paul said, I have known the experience of fasting often. And if you want to know what I present to you as my bona fides in terms of my apostleship, that's one of the things I'll tell you. Forget the degrees on the wall. Forget the subscriptions to my YouTube channel. I want you to know that I'm passionate about God. Number two, we fast as a counterattack against the forces of darkness. In Matthew chapter 17, verse number two, in a story about a father who brought his son to Jesus to perform an exorcism because the disciples had failed. The disciples later, after the boy was delivered from the demon, came to Jesus and asked, why couldn't we cast him out? And the words of that father, years ago, it broke my heart when I read them in scripture. This father came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I brought my son to your disciples to cast this demonic suicidal spirit out. I brought them to him. I did the right thing. I went to church, but they couldn't help me. And that's a sad commentary on the state of Christianity in a lot of places that people have got into the business of having church, but there's no power. And Jesus said, the reason you couldn't cast him out is because this kind will not come out unless there's prayer and fasting done. There has to be prayer and fasting done. We've come through two and a half years of a horrific pandemic. We've buried loved ones. People you know are no longer with us. Some people, as I mentioned earlier, have long haul COVID. All kind of things going on. Marriages were strained. Kids were alienated. Addiction rates soared. Divorces, the number of them skyrocketed. Stress, anguish, uncertainty, jobs lost. All of that and a ton more that people still haven't fully recovered from. And I want to ask you, with all of that going on, wouldn't you like an opportunity to turn the tables on the devil and say, it's my turn now. Can I hear somebody say amen? Why do we sit around waiting for the devil to attack us? Why is it that we are complacent until we suddenly find ourselves in a place of difficulty? That's when we want to fast and pray. And the truth is we ought to fast and pray in advance of those times. We used to sing the song years ago, just a little talk with Jesus makes it all right. It does. But I tell you what makes a little talk with Jesus more effective when you've had some other talks with him earlier. When you spend time in your life and you get to know him and your pursuit is God rather than just a fire escape out of your problem. 
It makes a huge difference in your life. Look at it like this. Prayer, fasting together with worship, giving, and service are the mixed martial arts of the kingdom of God. Well, these days, you don't know who you're walking up on. You better be careful. They may have a, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, you, you need to be careful. And there have been more than one fella ended up on YouTube for all the wrong reasons too. Because they messed with somebody they didn't realize who they were messing with. When you practice prayer and fasting and you worship and you give and you serve lost humanity and the kingdom of God, the devil doesn't know what hit him. I wish somebody could say amen. Number three, we fast to intentionally make ourselves empty. Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus said, if we will hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. But do you notice what the, 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 the pre-qualifying condition is here? You've got a hunger, hunger. You say, but that's after righteousness. Yeah, I get that. But let me tell you how this works. Generally speaking, our lives are so full that we don't really hunger for much anymore. Because you see, you can only receive so much sensory input and so much data. And then after a while, your senses become jaded. Your appetites fall off. You don't believe it? Look at Thanksgiving. Do you realize that's only two months away? Goodness, only two months away. Where has this year gone? Amen. But you can feel yourself full of all kind of stuff, right? Well, let me explain what that's like. Thanksgiving the turkey and the dressing are so outrageously good and the roast beef and the roast pork and some of you can't wait for me to get done preaching already, I know. Amen. And if you're from Louisiana, some mock shoe and some turnip greens and anybody know what I'm talking about right now and some mashed potatoes or if you're at the herd house, a Creole. Amen. We always have a Creole at the end of the year. For Thanksgiving, you can eat so much of that that you fill up and that pecan pie sitting over there that looks so good, you don't even want it anymore. It's a completely different taste, right? Completely different taste. But you've already become satiated. Your sensory inputs have become so completely satisfied. They don't want anything. And in similar fashion, the devil figured that out about us a long time ago. If I can keep you so busy on Facebook and social media and watching TV and busy around the house and doing this, that, and all of the other stuff, you won't have hunger for God either. And sometimes you got to pull yourself back from some of that just to seek the Lord. Amen. One of the realities of life is that when you're full, you're full. You don't still have an appetite for other things. You're full. Amen. And number four, we fast that God may fill us with his goodness. We not only fast to be empty, but we fast that we can become full, but of the right things. And having said that, when I talk about becoming full where you don't want anything, it doesn't mean a bad thing. You can get so full of good things that you don't want anything else. Good things. That's why Jesus said, be careful that you're not overly full with the cares of life. He told us that in the parable of the sower. 
Dominic preached and used those verses last week. Fasting opens heaven over us. And it tells God, God, I'm ready for your blessings to come. Is there anybody in this building that's ready for heaven to open over their life? That's ready for God to pour out into their life. You see, God wants to, but it's the devil's objective and assignment to make sure that never happens. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's constantly trying to figure out a way to see that you don't get what God wants you to have. And you got to outfox him. Pull a move on him or something. You know what I'm talking about? And begin to fast and pray and watch what God will do in your life. In Acts chapter 10, where revival broke out in the house of Cornelius on both ends of that equation, it involved people who were fasting and in prayer. And when the house of Cornelius began to fast and Simon Peter was fasting, God brought the two together. If you want to fulfill your assignment in life, fast. Seek the face of God. God will connect you to purpose. God will connect you to your assignment. If you haven't figured out what... Your reason for being here is yet. If you don't have this feeling that your life is a blazing meteor, every atom of you in magnificent glow, this is how you find it right here. And finally, we fast to see God's power released through us. Fasting permits us to become conduits or channels of God's supernatural power in the earth. It does, and it works like this. Fasting clears the obstructions and the resistance within our own heart that block the spirit of God moving through us that makes us an agent of his power in the earth. How many times would God like to do even more than what he's doing? But here's the truth. To the degree that Satan has less of a hold on us, God can use us more greatly and do more through us. You believe that's a true statement? To the degree Satan has less of a grip on your life, to that same measure, God can do more. But the flip side of that is true. To the degree that the enemy has a grip on your life, to that same degree, God is inhibited in what he can do through you. And he can't do as much. He says, that biblical pastor, yeah, Ephesians 4 The Apostle Paul writes and tells us that we should not live according to the way we lived before as unbelievers. He says in bitterness and untruthfulness and lust and anger and unforgiveness. And this is what he says. And do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold. Did you get that? A foothold. And sometimes we unwittingly give the devil a foothold in our lives. And what that literally means in the Greek is it's a word for place. In the King James Bible, that's the word that's actually used. But it means a space that is marked off and inhabited. It also means an opportunity. The devil doesn't want much. He just wants this little corner right here. It's all he needs. You can have the rest. If I can have this little corner, that's all I need. You know why? I learned it many years ago traveling in the Middle East. The old proverb 
that is used in those countries is this. If the nose of the camel ever enters the tent, the rest of the camel is soon to follow. That's what happens. Once the devil sticks his nose in the front door, the rest of the devil is going to follow right after that. And we should not give any place to the devil to establish a foothold. And I love this because Jesus said of himself in John 14 and 30, these, these are his words. I will no longer talk much with you, he said to his disciples, for the ruler of this world is coming. I want to pause there for just a moment. I just won't tell you. Right now, everything may be smooth sailing. I'm not preaching a negative message. But if you think the devil forgot you exist, I got news for you. He still knows your name. The devil is coming. He's going to continue as long as you live in this fallen, broken world where everything from the economy to politics is broken. He's going to continue to try to mess with your life. And this is what Jesus said, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. I wish we could all say that. I wish I could say that 100% of the time. The enemy has nothing in me because every time we give a space for him to get his foot in the door, the rest of him tries to follow. He's coming. He wants to slow you down. He wants to keep you from being filled up. He wants to keep you from being empty to begin with. Get you so saturated that you don't want anything, not even more of God. He doesn't want you to figure out that if you fast and pray, that you're using strategies against him that will cause his kingdom to collapse. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to figure that out. And so every time we go into a 30-day season of corporate prayer and fasting, as we take back the areas within us where Satan has found the space to gain a foothold, you know what we always have? We always have incredible miracles that occur here. We have miracles of healing. We have prayers answered. And that's not by accident and it's not coincidental marriages are restored financial breakthroughs take place who am I talking to right now whose business is stretched about that thin you know if you can make it through the fall fasting and prayer but with the foundation being this God I'm not just fasting so I can have a breakthrough in my business I'm fasting because I want more of you I'm fasting because I want you to use me and flow through me I'm fasting because I'm hungry I want to be hungrier still fasting you see as I close these 30 days are going to be revolutionary for some people and for some they already are some people are going to be changed indelibly. Some people here today will never go back to life the same way it used to be. I wonder, am I talking to anybody that would acknowledge this is change for me? I want to know, is there anybody that would say, I, this marks change. I'm drawing a line in the sand with the enemy.
There's no doubt some folk will remain unchanged. I get that. Jesus walks in St. John chapter 5 among the porches of Bethesda. And there are a great multitude of people who are impotent, lame, halt, withered, blind, all kinds of diseases, probably cancer, everything you can imagine. And not one person cried out to him. Not one. That is such an anomaly in scripture that John records it and tells us that Jesus literally went up to somebody and said, would would you like to be made whole? Because nobody's asking me for a miracle. And do you know that of all that crowd there that day, only one went home with a miracle? You would have thought that as soon as Jesus showed up, they would have been said, hey, hey, over here in the back, on the right, see? That's me waving my hand. That's what you would have thought they might have done. They didn't. And if they didn't do it when he first showed up, for sure they're going to do it when that guy takes up his bed and walks because he's been there a long time. But they didn't do it then either. And this, to me, underscores the point. You can become satisfied in your condition. And you can become content with where you are. And God, don't let that be my case. The rest of my life, let me pursue you with a wild, reckless abandon. I'll tell you a little something that I I pray every single day and I have for years. Every single day I pray this. I pray it for myself and I pray it for my family. I pray it over this church. I pray, God, let the characteristic that sets me and my family and this church apart be that we have insatiable hunger and passion for you. I'd rather be known for that than I would be known for being a good preacher. I'd rather be known for that than I would be known for my connections and no. Let me know more of you, Lord. And that becomes more meaningful to me the older I get. And I want our prayer counselors to come, and I'd love for you to stand with me if you would. Because you see, those folk went home that day, and only one was changed, but it didn't have to be that way. Didn't have to be that way. Look at somebody and say, it doesn't have to be that way. Doesn't have to be that way. Doesn't have to be with you. Doesn't have to be with me. The source, the answer, the solution is right here. Right here. I want to thank God for all of the wonderful people who are here today. And I hope this message has resonated with you. I met a sweet lady in between services, Pastor Donzella Irving, who has moved here from Detroit. She told me this morning that if I preach good enough, she might come back. Amen. <laughs> Wherever she is, I hope I did. Praise God. Amen. We thank God for her. 
But I wonder how many in this building would lift up their hand and say, this 30 days, I want something to change. Would you do that? How many of you want it bad enough that you'd quickly get down here and let's pray and we close the service together? Anybody want it that badly? We're going to pray for those who need Christ in a moment. And to all of our first-time attendees, please stop at Guest Central. That's the booth right out there in the lobby. We have a gift for you. Don't want you to go home. Starting next Sunday, we're going to be able to have our pastors meet with all of our first-time attendees in the chapel. We're far enough along out of COVID, we can begin to do that now. And I look forward to it so much. Just keep coming forward if you would. Father, I pray today that you would, oh God, stir our hearts. Create in us passion for you, Lord. Because you're the best thing that's ever happened in our life or ever could. It's amazing the joy you bring. The fulfillment, how you can take a life that's going nowhere and suddenly make it meaningful and significant. I'm asking you today as we turn our attention toward you as a church and are about to enter our third week of prayer and fasting, I'm asking you to make a difference in people's lives. All over this altar, there are people who need a touch of God in their bodies. I want you to heal them. We truly believe you're the miracle worker. We truly believe that. I'm asking you to touch families and restore I'm asking you to give peace. I'm asking you to heal brokenness. I'm asking you to make whole again. Those who are wounded. God, I'm asking you to bring calm to those who are in despair. While every head is bowed. If you're here today and you need Jesus in your life, would you slip up your hand right where you are? God bless you. Keep raising them. God bless you and you and you. There's so many hands. God bless you. I love you. I'm so glad that you raised your hand. If you're watching this at home, please raise your hand at home too. Right where you are in your living room. And say, I need Jesus and I want to acknowledge that. And I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, we come to you in humility. Ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your grace and your mercy because we sure don't deserve it. We don't deserve your salvation. None of us do. But I thank you today because your grace is so amazing. And I want you to forgive us. And I want you to fill us and baptize us full of your presence and your spirit. And write our names in the book of life. And we today pray that you will become our Lord and Savior. And be seated on the throne of our hearts from this day forward and forever. And help us to become radical for God. And live the rest of our lives in the radical zone. We ask it in your name. And this is what I'd love for us to do. To every one of you that just prayed that prayer. There are three things I want you to do. I want you first of all to be baptized in the wonderful name of our Lord. They will put up on the screen behind me in a moment. A way that you can arrange to have that done, either through the QR code or the texting system. Number two, 
would love for you to be filled full of the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that you can live the the Spirit-empowered life. And number three, become a disciple, a student of Jesus Christ. And you can text JOIN to the number on the screen or go to the QR code. And I write a devotional every day that you can download. It will go automatically actually into your text system and you can join with over 2,300 other families that read this and we go to the same passage and the same place in scripture and sing the same worship song every morning now this is what I want you to do all of those who just prayed that prayer let's have a party for them for this come on somebody lift up your voice to the Lord Let's welcome them to the family of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Now, how many of you, with every head bowed one more time, you're here today because you have a specific reason that you're here. And something brought you to forward. You've got a prayer in mind. And you're going to make sure that if you have a vote on it something's going to change I want to see your hand be raised in faith right now and say by the grace of God something is breaking shout these words out loud this is the fast the Lord has chosen say it again this is the fast the Lord has chosen You didn't choose it. I didn't choose it. This is the fast the Lord has chosen. Something is about to break in your life in the name of Jesus. Miracles are coming. And this final thing. On the 9th of October, we will have just finished our fast that previous Wednesday on the 5th, on the 9th of October, we're going to have a special worship night here. And God, I believe, is going to show up. I love you so much. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to smile upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Be blessed, beloved, in Jesus' name.